Welcome to the Do The Woo Podcast, where we talk all things WooCommerce and any e-commerce news that affects you as a Woo user. Hey, Bob WB here. Brad and myself will be joining our special guest in just a minute, but I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Liquid Web. I know personally that Liquid Web has the best WooCommerce managed hosting that will fit your needs no matter what you're selling or the size of your online store. And for a limited time, use the code BOB-WP and you'll get 33% off your first six months of any of their WooCommerce hosting plans. So do yourself and your site a favor and head on over to liquidweb.com. Now for the show. And we are back with another episode of Do The Woo, episode 23. I'm your co-host, your main man, Brad Williams. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Bob WP. Bob, what's happening? Hey, not much. Just um, hanging here and uh, looking forward to having uh, having our guest on. Uh, he, he's very new to podcasting, so I'm I'm pretty excited to see how he handles it. I am excited as well. So we have, uh, we've decided that with the quality of content we've been producing was a little bit too good. So we decided to actually take down a couple notches and we invited Matt Medeiros on the show uh, to, to help us accomplish that goal this week. So Matt, welcome to the show. I'm sorry. I, th- I, th- I thought I signed up for the e-commerce fuel podcast. This is do the woo. All right. I got to go. <laughs> We're doing the woo. Uh, <laughs> we are doing the woo. And I, I, you know, pre-show, I showed you the dance moves that Bob generally and I like to do to kind of warm up. So um, unfortunately, we don't have video anymore. So uh, the audience will just have to take our word that we're, you know, we have a little warm up dance that we like to do. So uh, and it went pretty well. But uh, Matt, for the for the few people out there that maybe don't know who you are, that haven't heard one of your 15 different podcasts or read one of your 15 different websites, why don't you give everybody a, a quick intro about sure. you? Yeah, mattreport.com is where I do a podcast all about WordPress. And you can find me during the day at pagely.com selling managed WordPress hosting to enterprises. There it is. And a little disclaimer, Matt and I have a, a podcast that we like to do once a year uh, called The Random Show. <laughs> Maybe a little more frequently than once a year, but uh, uh, you can check that out over at randomshow.net. And we like to just talk tech, pop culture, some WordPress, all sorts of Talk- documentaries documentary space <laughs> it's random randomly released and random topics but anyways this topic's about woocommerce e-commerce the web so uh we thought we'd bring you on and dive into some some interesting topics that we had today so where do you want to kick it off bob you know actually i wanted to ask matt a question around um his his actually his full-time job mm-hmm. before we dive into it so Pagely Enterprise, how how much are your, you know, I, I, I guess, give us some perspective on the e-commerce space at Pagely. I, I'd just sure. be interested to hear, you know, client-wise, um, not necessarily specifically client-wise, but just some some general background on how you guys pull in that, pull into the e-commerce space. Yeah, so um, in for WooCommerce uh, in particular, uh, as we all know, listening to this podcast, it's not the easiest beast to tame. Um, you know, at the floor level, WooCommerce does eat up a lot of resources. You know, as you scale, right? Uh, many folks who are coming to Pagely for e-commerce 
you know, they're, they're either high traffic sites uh, in both either a marketing capacity where they have like high traffic marketing blog and then they sell merchandise or they're a traditional e-commerce store with just lots of traffic. Um, the way we handle it is our particular value add to the market. So Pagely is well known for just being super transparent and just being a pure AWS solutions based uh, web host. So that is to say is all we do is we go to work, uh, AWS and we pull down whatever size server you need for your website and whatever size uh, database you need for all of the database traffic. And primarily we use Amazon Aurora RDS. So the shops that are coming to us, the number one, they're looking for that transparency, right? In other words, they don't want any other layer of management on top of their hosting product. They just want to know, here's the raw hardware we're on. How do we optimize it uh, for whatever their particular needs are? Um, and you know, when a customer comes to us for e-commerce, uh, those are the questions that they're asking. They're asking about speed performance uh, and optimization. And uh, that's what what Pagely delivers from a human value, from a DevOps value. Uh, whereas we'll take all of that critical thinking away from the customer and say, hey, don't worry about scale because as you scale, you just ask us. You say, what does the memory look like? What does the CPU usage look like? How do we optimize queries to the database? Let Pagely's DevOps team, uh, which again, they're really well known for, handle all of that critical thinking and you just focus on, you know, uh, uh, the growth of the business. And then when we do get into a territory where sort of where Pagely draws the line is writing lines of code. And when we get to that point, quite often, we just recommend other uh, great partners like the other man on the show right now, Web Dev Studios, where we say, hey, look, we've optimized it from the server level, from the hardware level, from the infrastructure level. Now the customer needs to you know, they have this custom plugin that they developed 10 years ago. They, they just need to rip that out and, and put something else in its place. And then we hand them over to like a web dev studios and web dev comes in and, and does their, their magic with better code and, and stuff like that. I'm starting to like Matt a little bit more. Oh yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, so yeah, I see I'm, I'm rubbing the friction the right way here. You know, I make sure. <laughs> Don't well, get too no. random or too, <laughs> no, but, but seriously, no, that, that's cool because uh, I, I just like always to hear the perspective because yeah, we're, you know, in the world of hosting, we're, we're filled with all kinds of hosts and um, it, it's a, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, the e-commerce, you know, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say just one last note about like future, like it's not even predictions because it's already here. It's, and of course, Brad knows this is, you know, REST API, headless WordPress, headless CMS, headless e-commerce. Um, you know, we've, we've ventured into that space with uh, a handful of portfolio customers, getting them the right technology for headless uh, or just making requests to WooCommerce, uh, but with a different front end, you know, powered by some other CMS. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is... Uh, which is our new-ish product that hasn't really released yet, but should be coming soon, northstack.com, uh, uh, where, where we'll be able to do much more beyond WordPress. And then in the future, whatever other e-commerce platforms might exist. So Gatsby, Jekyll, static static sites, right? Like that's a thing again. <laughs> you know, no, just have a static site. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's how we're solving some of those more unique requests around e-commerce these days. What kind of um, trends are you seeing in terms of the type of software people use for e-commerce? So obviously, this is a WooCommerce-focused podcast. We talk a lot about WooCommerce. We love WooCommerce. Um, there's a lot of options out there, a lot of really 
good options, um, you know, to get stores to market quicker, just Gale stores, there's Shopify, there's big commerce, there's Magento. I mean, there's just a lot of options. WooCommerce is, is a great tool, but are you seeing trends? Are more and more people um, becoming open to, uh, you know, hosting or powering their e-commerce platform through WooCommerce? Are you seeing people move away from WooCommerce or anything that stands out that might be a trend kind of moving forward? Um, the expense of running WooCommerce is definitely getting more visible, right? As these shops are growing, at least from the particular vantage point that I have at Pagely, is it's just becoming, there's more stuff happening uh, in WordPress, in WooCommerce, that the technology expense is getting higher to just run all of the things, right, that people are doing. So, you know, for the, for the newbies listening to the show, people are like, well, people just come to the website, they buy a product, they check out. Yeah, that's fine in a small scale. But, you know, as you guys know, and, and some of your other listeners is once you get to scale, there's reporting that runs, there's import exports for sites that have like tens of thousands of SKUs. Um, anybody who's running search, right, implementing Elasticsearch, there's a lot of other tech that's eating up the resources of your stack. So we're seeing that. And we're, and we're looking at customers saying, hmm, how about that Shopify thing? <laughs> you know, How about we just run WordPress as what it's really great at as publishing and marketing and product site, and then we'll just use Shopify as our, you know, our secondary instance of the e-commerce site. Um, so sad to say that I see a lot of people um, shopping Shopify for a, a WooCommerce alternative. We're outright moving to Shopify. Um, when things are just getting far too complex inside of WooCommerce. Uh, Big Commerce, of course, another uh, presence on the scene, certainly making their push to solidify themselves with web hosts. And um, they're knocking on our door all the time. I've, I've been in talks with them um, to, to sort of partner up and, and to make them a, an alternative to WooCommerce. So, um, and, they're, and they're big in that headless commerce space. I mean, that's yeah. their whole yeah. deal. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, Brad, as you and I sort of always sort of put on the old tinfoil hats on our shows and the stuff that we do, it's I'm very interested to see, you know, with all of this push to Gutenberg and all the resources to Gutenberg in WordPress proper, man, what is going to happen with a WooCommerce? Because that is just this elephant in the room for those who are like, well, Gutenberg is just this monetization thing to make automatic more money. Oh, by the way, they own WooCommerce. What the heck is going on with that? <laughs> like, you know, when is this just going to be the end-all, be-all of e-commerce? So, we'll see. Yeah, and we've talked about on the show where there have been some integrations with Gutenberg into WooCommerce. There's you know block components that are um, shipping that you know it's it, it's pretty early days I think with some of that, but they're definitely experimenting and even releasing some of the code around that. Um, but it's a fair point. I mean, I think the idea of, to, to your point about costs around WooCommerce at scale, um, it's kind of like you have to sit down and really put together a matrix of what's important to you and your business, right? Because there's the cost of, you know, growing it, scaling it, supporting it, the cost of developing it and growing the features and functionality of your website, like you would have with any website. Um, moving over to something like Shopify, while it takes a lot of those scaling headaches away, you also lose a lot of that customization and control. Right. Um, over your store. Like you could, you can customize quite a bit of it, but at a certain point you're going to hit a wall of what you're allowed to do. Um, whereas WooCommerce, it is open source. It is completely extensible and there is no, there is no wall. There's no ceiling. 
it's just a matter of how much time and money you want to sink into it to really tailor that platform to your experience. So, um, and there's no right answer. I think it's all, like you said, very unique to the business and their goals, but it's something people need to factor in. Maybe not on day one of running a store, but when that store starts starts to become successful and they realize this is going to work and going and growing, and we need to think about where we're going to be in two, three, five, ten years down the road, you know, they need to sit down and really think about is this the platform we want to be on? Yes or no? Right. Here's the pros, right. here's the cons, because moving off a e commerce site when you're massively successful, whatever you're on, whether you're going to WooCommerce or moving away from it, is a massive undertaking. Oh yeah. It's a it's a major I mean, it's a major decision to make, number one, and then there's, then there's actually doing it. You know, and, and one of the things that, not to monopolize the show about uh, WooCommerce, but I guess that's the point, is when you look at what Shopify, so if you think about growth and user adoption and what are the next steps for a business or an ecosystem, you look at Shopify and big commerce partnership programs. I mean, look at the effort that they put into right. partnership programs. I mean, Shopify has in a massive marketplace, uh, not so different than the plugin ecosystem where there are people making millions of dollars uh, in, I don't know what Shopify calls them, add-ons or whatever, the marketplace apps, I guess they might call them. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a huge effort to cater to other people to make software for their marketplace, whereas you almost see the inverse in the WordPress ecosystem where it's like, you know, the Death Star starting to hover over the planet. Now the sun's going away and we're like, oh man, look at that jetpack up there. It owns everything. It's got all of these features and they don't really want to work with us to implement these features. They just want to own everything, um, which again is just a different play in itself. It's like you can just show up and trust the name brand WordPress and WooCommerce, or you go to a marketplace like a Shopify and say, hey, there's a million you know, providers you can pick from here. Pick which one works for you, like an app store ecosystem. So mm -hmm. I, can, I can attest to that Shopify because I know when I, I think, I, I don't know when it was, but it was quite some time ago, uh, they reached out to me and we just talked a little bit back and forth and it was in their partner program. And they are very aggressive. And they yeah. do keep at you. And I can see how they succeed in that because, I mean, they're not annoyingly aggressive either, but they were very uh, persistent. And, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I kind of angled off a bit just to add that into the mix, which didn't really go anywhere for me at that particular point. But um, I, I, I just, looking at this whole thing and what we're talking about, I, I just love that I talk and uh, basically write about WooCommerce and all this stuff because if it changes, then I'll just keep on talking and keep on writing. Right. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be yeah fair, I, I just, yeah. to be fair, do the Shopify just doesn't have the same ring as do the woo. So, you know, right. yeah. Yeah. Do the Shopify. It's like, no, that's, that's not going well, to, I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a show called the Shopify shuffle. How about that? Yeah. Shopify, Shopify. <laughs> Please do. You can use some of those dance moves we did earlier. But you know, I think you know, to, your, to, to kind of that last comment you made, Matt, I, you know, this is something that I, I don't think a lot of people are aware of or maybe even care um, initially, right? At some point, they probably will care when it starts to maybe impede or limit what they're trying to do on either side. Um, but I think initially it's whether, you know, automatic is controlling it or whether it's a more robust kind of third-party add-on uh, ecosystem. Um, they probably don't care. It really just comes down to what's the cost and does it do what I want it to do? 
And how quickly can I start selling and get my store running, things like that, you know? But I think it's a fair point that people need to spend some time researching these platforms and kind of understanding that. Because if you're going all in on a platform around your business and your goal is it's a full-time business, your goal is to grow it and make it as successful as it can be. I, I think it's important as a business owner to understand, you know, the the strategy that the platform you're kind of going all in on is taking with this type of stuff, because ultimately you're going to be using these extensions or these add-ons. You're going, you know, you're, you're it's almost a, you know, I, I would venture to bet there aren't many WooCommerce stores that aren't using at least one extension, you know? Right. Um, right. I mean, I think you kind of have to even just for a payment gateway. Right. So it's like, it's pretty much a requirement these days. Um, and yeah. by and large, many of them have 10, 20, 30 extensions running or add-ons. Right. So it's something worth researching and understanding ecosystem, the environment, the the direction these different platforms are taking. I mean, another good point is Shopify is very much about using their platform um, solely and not really kind of wanting to integrate in a more headless way like what big commerce is doing where it's like, hey, use WordPress if you want. We don't care, you know, or right. use some other front end layer. We don't care. We'll just power the back end store experience, you know, two very different approaches and how they're they're marketing and running their product. And where WooCommerce is just open source, it's like do whatever you want with it. So yeah, um, very different strategies, and I think it's important people understand that. Imagine a customer on Shopify, and I don't know what their numbers are, but um, a friend of mine, Jordan Gall, uh, he runs the boot. Well, he runs co-hosts it with Brian Castle, the Bootstrap Web. He has a um, uh, a SaaS company that sells in the Shopify marketplace. Helps them do sort of like. Uh, uh, AB comparison checkouts, right? So you can optimize your checkouts basically uh, uh, called Carthook. That's his company. And the amount of money that he processes through just the customers that he has um, gets to in the millions, right? Of around, uh, you know, any given month. The, just imagine how much they're, that Shopify is pushing out. And I mean, if they have a customer on Shopify that's doing $10 million a month, that customer must be treated so much differently than another customer, right? A customer that's doing a few hundred bucks a month. Oh, sure. And do they get access to optimize the platform and, and do all these other things? Um, so I'm curious about how that plays out within Shopify and, and how they, you know, how they let their customers apply code, customize the platform, you know, if you're, again, if you're doing tens of million dollars a month, are you just going to say no to that customer? Right. You can't optimize your code, right? They're, no, they're going to give special treatment. And I'm interested to know how that plays out there. Yeah, that's a fair point. If you're, because obviously Shopify is making, making some money off that, that larger customer, some decent money off of them versus the, the person that's probably on their lowest tier package. So, um, yeah, that's a fair point too, you know? So it's, I think it's just doing due diligence, sitting down and really figuring out what's going to be best for you. You'd be surprised how many stores we talk to that are running like Magento and they have like, you know, 15 specialized products and that's it. I'm like, why are you on Magento? That's like enterprise level, you know, multi warehouse, you know, multi-million dollar level. Yes, you can run small stores, but it's so much overkill for what you need. You know, you could, you could literally have a, $20 a month, $30 a month, whatever Shopify or spin up your own WooCommerce with a couple extensions and be fine. And it's because they just heard, Oh yeah, I guess I should be on Magento. I'll just use Magento. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. The do the woo podcast is brought to you by liquid web looking for a top notch hosting for your WooCommerce site. 
They have a ton to offer you, plus you'll get 33% off your first six months of any popular WooCommerce plan using the code BOB-WP. This is a limited time offer, so head on over to liquidweb.com and a special thanks for Liquid Web for helping us do the woo. Now back to the show. Well, why don't we move into some of these other stories? I think uh, speaking of you can, you know, multi-million yeah. dollar sales. Yeah, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, yeah. So um, I, I shared a little link here that talks about that thing that happened. Oh, I don't know when it was. It wasn't too long ago. Uh, Prime Day with Amazon, and yeah, it was last week. Yeah, last week, and. Uh, Basically, the in a nutshell, yes, they made a lot of money again, and uh, they talked about pretty much increases in everything, and including prime members. And uh, so, were you guys okay? Who who bought? I actually everything I bought was the day after Prime was over because nothing I wanted was on sale. Did anybody shop Prime? I did not. I did. Um, I mean, it's one of those things like, obviously if you're buying anything, Amazon, it's a good day to buy something, uh, you know, whether it be echo or, or fire stick or anything that's, you know, an Amazon product. Cause they're all on sale blink camera systems, which I love. Um, I actually bought a new echo to replace my first gen. The very first one I got, um, has been a little finicky. So I was like, you know what? They were like $50. It's like, I'll just buy a new one. They're smaller. They're better. They're, you know, the speakers are a little better. Um, so I definitely took advantage, you know, bought a couple other small things. I don't even remember what to be honest, but, um, I definitely, I think I, I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet you guys probably took a look, right? I mean, you, you mentioned oh, yeah. nothing that you were interested in, Bob, Matt, did you take a look at all in those days or you just said, I'm not buying it? Yeah. Anything? I mean, I looked, I think I got a, uh, email, you know, they were trying to upsell me on an Amazon Echo as well. Uh, is that the bigger one, the Amazon Echo? Yeah, that's like the kind of what you would call the original. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I didn't, I didn't buy anything after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I think is really interesting about Prime Day, because, you know, Bob, you have this article, which I'm sure you're going to share about how they sold. Obviously, the biggest Prime Day ever. It's also the first time they've done it. It was two days instead of one. So, obviously, that had an impact uh, to how large it was. Um, but, you know, the thing that is really interesting to me about Prime Day is one of the reasons they started doing Prime Day is because July is historically the worst sales month for online sales. It's the middle mm-hmm. of summer, people on vacations, kids are out of school. People just aren't li- online as much, generally speaking. Um, so that's just across the board, not just Amazon, it's just e-commerce. You know, July is like the slowest day of the year. So now they've came up with this prime day idea. They've really, you know, energize online shopping in the middle of the worst month of the year, basically opposite of black Friday, you know, six months or whatever down the calendar. But now you're seeing all these stores do it right. All these e-commerce stores. And the article even touches on that, how, you know, all of the online stores had big sales on that day. So I, this is evolving. It's gonna, you know, prime day will always be there, but this is evolving into like a a summer Black Friday, if you will, you know, um, the opposite end, you know, halfway through the year, approximately from when, you know, the, the holiday shopping is um, that now I, I expect the next few years it gets, there's some kind of 
term that we call it outside of just being a, a Amazon specific shopping day. And it's, it's just known like it's the middle of the summer. It's a big online shopping day and all the stores are going to start taking advantage of it. Cause you know, people are online these days and they're shopping really hardcore, like the numbers prove it. So take advantage of it. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think that it'd be interesting to see. I mean, they listed Walmart, Target, eBay, Macy's, Best Buy, Mm-hmm. as some of the other ones running and how it went for them. I didn't have a chance to look those up as well, but I bet it's, uh, you know, and, and and a little bit more comparison shopping during that time versus just saying, okay, is Amazon the best deal here? Oh, well, if so-and-so is going to have something, and of course, um, I don't know if they were running at exactly at the same time, it would be interesting to see what those comparison prices were like, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it, it's a, it's a yeah. hundred thousand laptops, 200,000 televisions. Yeah. It's right? crazy. Like the scale is amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I saw, I bought a new, um, bought a new car, bought a, uh, joined the minivan club. Oh no. And, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> bought a minivan and uh, it's a Honda and uh, I got an email from them saying if I activate my Honda link, which is like an OnStar, if you're familiar with OnStar, um, you know, it's Honda's alternative, whatever. Uh, But I can actually get products delivered to my car. Like they will open up my my car and put the products in it from Amazon. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a... I mean, intrusive, but cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I certainly I, I, I'd rather do that than my house, which I know is also right. a thing they're trying to do right. now. Like, yeah, come on in my house and drop a package off. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I've actually saw a video somewhere that was showing an Amazon person delivering. Somebody had filmed it that, yeah, they just basically opened up, put it in there and gone. It's, 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 um, yeah. Amazon has changed the game time and time again with online shopping. I mean, even within this article, it mentions, which many of us know, that they're defaulting to one-day shipping now for many locations for Prime, if you have a Prime account, um, which is, again, insane. And it's it's funny because it's gotten to the point. Like, my my wife ordered something. It was a leash for our dog. She ate the other leash, you know, had to get a new leash. And she's like, well, the other leash was still okay, but... She was like, I don't need this tomorrow. She ordered it on Saturday, right? She's like, I don't need this tomorrow. But it was like the option was free tomorrow on a Sunday or, you know, slow shipping, wait a couple of weeks, which is also free. And she's like, well, of course, I'm going to pick one day. She's like, I don't, I don't want to wait two weeks, but I don't need it on a Sunday. And that was the only two options. You know, it didn't cost mm-hmm. any more. It's just, you know, it's getting to the point where like, <laughs> I don't want to complain about one day shipping. But I mean, we didn't need to, you know, burden someone with bringing a one, a dog leash to us on a Sunday. You know what I mean? It could have waited yeah. till later in the week. This yeah. uh, this week tonight by John Oliver show on HBO. Oh, um, he he did. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It was I think the title you can find it on YouTube. The title was Warehouses or something like that. And like the uh, the amount of uh, like warehouse workers now, and um, there's like for like any company. So uh, like a Walmart or a Verizon, like they own these, they just outsource uh, to these large warehouse companies that do all the logistics for them. Uh, unlike Amazon, which owns it, of course, they own the distribution centers. And, um, you know, they just had real test- testimonials from people who were just like, I was on my feet for 16 hours a day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, they have like little iPhones or it looks like iPhones and it would, you know, tell you that, all right, pick up this, 
whatever, dog leash in aisle 20. And then all of a sudden that next person ordered something else that's in aisle 120. So that's like, you're going to walk all the way down there and grab that. And then they time people, you know, and you can't take breaks and like all of this stuff. And it's just like, man, what, what is it coming to for just one day delivery? Well, I mean, and that's, you know, there were um, a lot of uh, people boycotting Prime right. Day workers right. and, you know, yeah. uh, consumers for that very reason. Uh, one other thing sort of on the side, on the note of that and what we were previously talking about, uh, I think a couple, I think last month or a couple weeks ago, Shopify announced that they'll have their own fulfillment um, for products. So now it's really oh, wow. taking on uh, mm-hmm. Amazon, uh, which is just another interesting sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, feather in their cap against all this e-commerce stuff. Yeah. Wow. So what's, uh, what's the next thing, Brad? I know you added something in here that you found. Yeah, I came across an interesting article. So keeping on the topic of, uh, you know, online sales, obviously that's what we talk about on the show, but basically big retailers and how they're affected. Um, came across this interesting article, basically a, a group of online Retailers, e-commerce sites um, have essentially are petitioning the Supreme Court to weigh in on whether e-commerce sites are covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. Um, and uh, the it's it's one that when I first saw it, I thought I thought this was dealt with like a decade ago. Um, and then I started doing some more research and realized it's not. <laughs> it hasn't officially been dealt with. Um, basically, what is happening. Um, you know, obviously there's a, you know, millions of Americans that live with various, uh, you know, accessibility uh, problems, visual impairments, things like that, that, that are on the internet. Right. Um, and so the idea is that we want to make the web accessible to everybody. And to do that, you have to put some kind of special considerations into how you build a website, how it's navigated, how labels exist and describe things. Um, you can imagine if someone's using a visual uh, or someone has a visual impairment and they're using a browser that's reading the screen to them. Um, it has to be set up in a certain way that it works and makes sense. Um, and by and large, there's many, many, many websites out there um, that uh, that aren't accessible. Uh, maybe a little bit, but maybe not at all. Um, so one of the challenges, while the um, while the web has a uh, a set of accessibility guidelines that you're probably familiar with, the WCAG uh, 2.0, and and more recently the 2.1 standards. The government hasn't officially, the U.S. government in this case, hasn't officially weighed in to say, yes, you know, e-commerce retailers have to follow that, or yes, they are part of the uh, the ADA or, or fall under the ADA. And the ADA was set up prior to uh, the internet really taking off um, or becoming a thing. So it's very specific to things like uh, more physical things, like when you would visit uh, a building, right, like ramps instead of ramps in, in addition to stairs, handrails by toilets, things like that, that you, that we all are kind of accustomed to seeing. Um, so the problem is there's a bit of a blurry line. They're not sure whether, what they should follow, how they should follow it. And they really want the Supreme court to come in and say, this is the guideline, whether it's WCAG or something else, this is what you're required to follow as an on-time re- retailer, because there's a lot of lawsuits kind of happening and it's not clear. It's a little fuzzy. Um, so I think the most famous case, uh, at least the one that immediately came to mind was the target.com one from about a decade ago, um, where target was sued because their website wasn't accessible and they, uh, settled. And now they're one of the most accessible sites out there in terms of large scale retailers. But, um, 
you know, interesting, interesting topic. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you, do you feel like, every, you know, websites, e-commerce sites specifically should be required to be fully accessible by absolutely everybody under the law? Do you feel like it's something that, uh, you know, the government shouldn't have to weigh in and it should just be do the right thing? Is it kind of fall in some other area? What are your thoughts? I'm curious on how this all plays out in a WordPress world where we're still, you know, st- maybe not struggling is the right word, but we're still dealing with getting WordPress itself accessible and then the themes that people are choosing and, um, you know, what kind of impact. So I, I agree that, yeah, there's, I mean, if, if these are the laws and these are the guidelines that were approved and, you know, this is obviously stopping people from going and purchasing something and that's not fair. Um, how does this impact the hundreds of thousands? I don't even know of small e-commerce people that are just selling things online as a hobby, as, as a side gig, as a small part of their business. How the heck are they even going to come to terms with that and upgrade their sites? You know, it's, you know, it's like every year. I think that's who would probably be impacted the most because. Yeah. So, and it's always that small business. Yeah. With these, with these big things. It does cost money um, to, to, to get to that point, right? Like, yes, you can have a very amazing looking website. It's very responsive. It works across all devices, but that doesn't mean it's accessible, right? There's another step, multiple steps you need to take to get it accessible and to pass these guidelines uh, or the testing around the guidelines. Um, obviously, big businesses, Target, Amazon, you know, they're while they're leading, the Target's kind of leading the, the charge there. Even Amazon isn't fully accessible. In right. certain areas, so even the even the big boys that have billions of dollars, you know, and, and profit, can't even get there. How is a small business that maybe is struggling to get by going to get there? Um, yeah. I'm a big proponent of accessibility. We we make every website we build, we run through accessibility testing, um, whether it's a requirement from the client or not, just because we we truly believe that the web should be accessible by everybody. And I also think it's. Maybe it's also part of the open source mentality as well, but it's something we firmly believe in. Now, whether our clients agree to certain things or not is another story because sometimes there might be some color clashing that they, they've heard our concerns and say, you have to do it anyways. Okay, but at least we brought that to the table. Um, but it is, it is a very important topic, um, and I, I hope that – I don't know – I don't know. Maybe the government does need to get involved because people aren't following the guidelines. What else do you do? Just say, well, it's, if it's accessible, you can buy stuff, but if not, I guess you get, you, you shop somewhere else. I don't, I don't know. And then what happens, you know, to, you know, again, the hundreds of thousands of small e-commerce sites that can't upgrade WordPress, let's say, or WooCommerce to be accessible or their sites, they just say, screw it. I'll go to Shopify because it is accessible. Right. And now, mm-hmm. now we start losing, now we start losing the market share on that front because people just say, well, I can't do it myself. WordPress isn't up to par. WooCommerce yeah. isn't. This theme isn't. I'm just going to go to closed source CMS over mm-hmm. there and give my, you know, give my rights to them. So it's, it's a yeah, tough. I think it's, in, I, I, I like the um, quote in here that somebody said it's straightforward enough to measure the height of a restroom grab bar to test its ADA compliance is far more complex to accurately measure or predict how a specific website will interact with a specific assistive technology and its yeah. user, which is kind of, I mean, it kind of says it a lot there because that goes back to the small business and how many will, and even, you know, how far they take this and even places like Shopify, what they can do, how many small businesses will have second thoughts even, do I start, you know, maybe they have a brick and mortar shop and they've got everything covered because 
they have a certain audience that comes in and it, it, yeah, it's, it's black and white there, but will they go, Hmm, I don't know if I want to even get online because there's just, there's just too many variables. Now they're throwing at us that we have to meet and can they, can they actually, yeah. Can they afford it? And do they have the resources? And it's not always as simple as say, well, like Shopify, for example, yes, Shopify can do a lot to make the experience accessible. But if I have the ability to modify content, I can break that, (laughs) that compliancy because I could upload an image that, has red text on a green background. You know, I could not include alt text on an image. I could do a number of things that would essentially break the accessibility of that page or that site, even if Shopify is doing everything else correctly behind the scenes. So it's it's not as as easy as just saying go on a platform accessible because as soon as you can modify content, you can you can mess up the accessibility of that site. So um, it is a tricky one. And I honestly think since um, it's kind of back out there in the spotlight. It's gaining a lot of traction. The lawsuits are, are increasing year after year. I think this is something we're going to be hearing more and more about, and I think for good for good reason. So, um, you know, we'll have to keep eyes on the topic and see what comes of it. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can figure it out because, again, I believe everything, you know, the entire web should be fully accessible. And the question is how can we get there for, for big and for small sites? Interesting stuff. Now, the last article, um, somebody shared this on Twitter, and I don't know why it caught my eye. I just clicked on it because I hadn't really ever read anything quite like this or seen anything, and I'm sure maybe you two are more familiar with this, but it's called Dark Patterns at Scale, Findings from a Crawl of 11K Shopping Websites. Uh, How it starts out is dark patterns are user interface design choices that benefit an online service by coercing, steering, or deceiving users into making unintended and potentially harmful decisions. And going through this thing, I will definitely put the link in there. And what I found was really interesting is that everything they're showing here, or not everything, but a lot of this they're showing, you know, 50% of the WordPress plugins do this. I mean, that's what they sell on, which is kind of ironic in a sense. But when you think of, you know, certain ways that you're doing things, maybe it's how you do it. But uh, one of the things was uh, the simple pop-up that says, you know, one of the, one of them they looked at was where it says, you know, yes, I want to make a million dollars. No, I suck. I'm going to go lie in the gutter and die. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's an extreme and that's not one of the examples they showed, but it, have you, both of you, you know, being in, um, you know, I, I've never really come across this kind of thing before or an actual study on this. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I, I What do you think, man? Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, I'm just going through these examples. I mean, this is, <laughs> I've seen all of these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen all of these. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm pretty uh, aware of it. And it's just like, oh, go, you know, like when you see them add things to the cart, like my immediate thing is just go delete it. Like, I already know what you're doing. Like you're adding this stuff here. But um, man, it's just like when you see the different examples, I, I just get worried for uh, people who don't know about this stuff. Um, you know, there's a, uh, a uh, famous one that actually hit my hit my wife and my sister in law. Uh, I think if you like, if you just Google, which it should be illegal, by the way, uh, like Google should really not allow it. But if you Google, like, I don't know, Mass Massachusetts Mass uh, License Renewal, somebody is like buying an AdWord for that, and you go to a site that looks like you're buying the Mass 
uh, renewal for your license and it's like five bucks. Uh, I actually have my friend too and he went and he bought it and all it is is a guide on how to renew your license. <laughs> and it's like, how, how is this even legal? Like it shouldn't even be legal, you know? And it's, it's like, it's, you know, right at the bottom of the site, you go back to the site. It's like, if you want to refund, click this link. Like they know that they're doing this is just trickery, you know, but it did just you doesn't. Have, did you have, do you have a big family meeting after that, Matt? And be like, talk about web safety. <laughs> this is what, yeah, this is why this is why I don't let my wife use my laptop. I get, I got her own laptop. Like you just use that one because I'll watch her Google things and it's always the ad. It's always the first click. And I'm like, what are you doing? Never click anything up, to, up here unless it's like a competitor page lead and then you want to uh, just burn, burn I mean, their ad credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, to be fair, like they've made it, Google's made it, the ads don't stand out like they used to, right? Like right, the, right. The background color is the same, you know, so they've, yeah. that's, that's obviously intentional too. But yeah, I've seen all of these. And honestly, it's not just a website thing. Like the one that stood out was this countdown timer where it's like offerings yeah. and, and call in the next 15 minutes. Like I see this on TV all the time where they're like, call in the next 15 minutes to get this deal. And I've always wanted to call like at 16 minutes or 17 minutes <laughs> yeah. just to see, cause I know we all know the deal's still right. there just to see if they say, well, that 15 minutes is up. Sorry. You should have called us, but you yeah. know, that's not going to happen. So uh, it's just shady stuff. Like it's definitely a lot of it's a gray area. I think there are certainly some things should be illegal, like automatically adding something else to your cart that should never be allowed. Right. That's right. absolutely should be illegal. I think some of this stuff like urgency, you know, I don't know. Like it's, it's such a gray area, but you see it yeah. so much. It's like, it's like, I, we kind of joke and laugh about it because everybody's doing it. And the sites they are pointing out aren't no name sites. They're calling out like JC Penny and like, yeah. you know, these other pretty large sites that are doing this stuff. So this is what people look at. Like I always tell people when they're launching new e-commerce sites, like don't reinvent the wheel. Look at what everybody else is doing because they've already spent tons of money on R&D. So, you know, yeah. to know the ad button should be this color and this size and above the fold and all that, like that's how it should be. So I'm yeah. sure a lot of people are looking at what these larger websites are doing and mimicking it, assuming it's going to work. And it by and large probably does. Yeah. I mean, and this is what I mean, this is, you know, nothing compared to what is happening with our data. Right. Like, so even when you're making these purchases, like what these companies do with our data after a purchase or, you know, credit card companies selling our data, whatever, mm -hmm. losing our data. Like, this is just, this is like nothing compared to what happens there. And there's a, if you listen to a few popular podcasts, there's like a, I don't even want to say the name of the company, but I can't remember it anyway, where they're selling a, a Chrome add on where as you're shopping, if you hit a shopping site, it'll automatically ap apply a discounted code, right? Or a discount code or a coupon code. Mm -hmm. So like they, they advertise that as like, never miss a discount code. Just add this to your web, mm. add this to your Chrome browser. I'm like, man. And they're like, like the tagline is always like, it's free. It just adds a discount to all these products. It's like, <laughs> all they're doing is scooping up all of that information that, you, that, that you're buying, your purchasing decisions, the websites that you go to, like that's all that is. But people eat it up because they're like, oh, I don't even have to look for a coupon code anymore, which means now the big retailers probably have to offer less discounts because if they had a 25% coupon out in the wild, now, well, if somebody's got this add-on installed in their Chrome browser, we only have to give this person 10% off. Mm -hmm. 
and they'll never go and look for another coupon because they just automatically think that the best discount is through this add-on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll never go look for like a bigger discount or find like a, a coupon they can double up with. Never mind the fact that all this data is probably getting sold. Yeah, those those are very popular. I, I know one of them specifically. Yeah, uh, I, I, I know that one. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, but I saw it. I thought, yeah, great. You know, I'm just I, over I, here I'll, uninstalling I, that extension right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't yeah, have to listen yeah, to me. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm just theoretic. I'm just being theoretical over here. But I'm sure I'm yeah. sure that's what's happening behind the scene. Yeah, I tested it. I played with it a little bit because I was more curious to see what it was coming up with, and it was very. You know, yeah, I don't know if it's really, like you said, it wasn't finding always the best one and a lot of times. And then it would, it was, it was kind of a, ended up being a little bit more of a rabbit hole, I thought, because you spend so much time focusing on that thing, you get lost in what you were even doing originally. Right. Because now you're, you're so focused on, you know, what kind of a discount I can get. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, I, I, I used it for about an hour playing around with it and I thought, bye-bye. You know, yeah, this is this is not gonna. Yeah, I mean, once they get to millions of users using it and, and on their email list, they just have to turn to these people like a JC Penny and be like, "Hey, we've got a million people using this. If you want to offer a discount, it's all it is is a sales mechanism and a promotion mm-hmm. mechanism. At that point, it's the inverse. So now they just turn to the retailer and they say, "Hey, you want to email a million people and tell them you get ten percent off this weekend because you're not selling anything? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what okay. they say. If you're not." If you're not paying for something, if the yeah. user is not paying for something, you know, who who actually is, right? Somebody has to be paying for something. Things don't just work forever for free. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Or actually what's being sold <laughs> is you yeah. data. So yep. um, exactly. Strap on those tinfoil hats, people. Matt's yeah. Matt's here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a pretty that's a pretty legit yeah. one. That's not very yeah. Yeah. well. That's a yeah. pretty obvious yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, I think we we've covered it. What do you think, Brad? Anything yeah. Else I, uh, nope. We uh, that's a good show. We got a lot of good meaty topics. It's probably one of our longer shows, to be honest. But uh, that was a lot of fun. So let's wrap it up here. Uh, before we head out, Matt, where can people find you online? Hey, you can find me mattreport.com, pagely.com. And by the way, folks who don't know, I have a little free plugin in the WordPress repo. If you guys don't mind if I throw an additional plug here, it's called Easy Support Videos. If you want to add videos to your admin, if you're a consultant, you're setting up a WooCommerce site for somebody, you can embed helpful videos right in the admin of WordPress. And we have a new version coming out pretty soon. So check it out. It's free. Easy Support Videos. Okay, you, just promote, you promoted a free product if we just talk about how free products are probably harvesting your data. <laughs> we don't harvest data. It's all open source. You can look at the code. I know, I'm just teasing. I'll have to check that out for sure. Um, what about any events? You got any events coming up in the near future people might be able to see you at? Uh, you'll see me in the hospital watching my wife give birth on August 15th hey. to our go. third child. Oh boy! Oh. Now you're out. Now you're, you're going to be outnumbered. So good luck. We'll see you hopefully maybe next year. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe for lucky. Never again. <laughs> this might be the last podcast I ever do. This might be. What about you, Bob? What's uh, what do you got going on? Any events coming up? Any? Nothing in the near future. I I, I guess I'll give a plug. Um, I, I am involved with um Seattle WordCamp this year. I always go to that because that's my local WordCamp, and I've been involved with that for several years and they are 
calling uh, for speakers right now. So if you want to check that out, you can, you know, you can just Google or find their uh, WordCamp site. But um, yeah, if you want to come up to the Pacific Northwest, unfortunately, it's a week after WordCamp US. So for a lot of people that does kind of put a crimp in traveling because unless you're a a traveler that likes to bop around from week to week, but still for those that are going to be staying home from WordCamp US because of Halloween, why don't you wait in the next weekend, come up to the Pacific Northwest because it's, it's, it's a pretty cool place, you know, despite the fact I'm here. So um, I'll try to get my brother to go to that one since he yeah. lives out there. Yeah, do. And, and let me know because I'd like, I'd like to meet the better. I mean, the, the other yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> does run a WordPress membership website, so he might be a good speaker too. Oh, there yeah. you go. That's a good, cool. yeah, good cool. community yeah. up there. Good, good WordPress yeah. community up there. So I'm sure it'll be a great event. Um, very cool. Yeah. I, I don't have any events coming up, but uh, if anything does, you can uh, track that on my Twitter at Williams BA. And finally, we want to make sure we share out the promo, um, which is 33% off six months of Woo Managed hosting at Liquid Web using code Bob-WP. Again, that's 33% off for six months of the Woo Managed hosting over at Liquid Web, which is a great sponsor of the show. So appreciate that. Uh, Anything else, Bob? Nope. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Well, I appreciate Matt um, joining us. It was good to have him on. I haven't been on a podcast with him for quite a while, so I'm going to have to get back into the groove of things here. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, it was a fun show. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for coming. So until next time, uh, we will see you on the next Do the Woo.